HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more, and if it's for you, sign up. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And today... Wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, your favorite podcasting platform, I think that every single one of them is streaming, listening, and downloading Tech Bites, the weekly show where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And food and tech has always been something of interest of mine. I started the show back in January of 2015. I host it and produce it almost every week. This is episode 235, so you can see we've covered a lot of ground in the food tech space. But over the past 14 months, year and a half, with the global pandemic, technology has never been more important. It's never been more important in terms of being able to keep us together and keep us face-to-face. The Zoom meetings, Google Hangs, Skype, FaceTimes, all of those technologies have become very important. Zencaster podcasting. We're recording on Zencaster right now, technology that allows us to make and create things to share with each other. And technology has also been very critical in terms of helping us get to food, in ordering groceries online, in looking at recipes on Instagram, in getting ideas and finding things. And today I'm really happy to be talking about a brand new app on the App Store, both iOS and Android, for the Barrio Fridge. Yep, there's an app for that. And that is a little piece of technology that will help bring a community together, help people find food, help people share food, and help people make something pretty great a little bit greater. Um, I'm happy to introduce Darielle Carter, who is co-founder of the Barrio Fridge, which is in East Harlem. Um, If you are interested in taking a look at it right now and following along while you're listening to the episode, you can find them online. TheBarrioFridge.com is the website. On social media, it is at The Barrio Fridge. And again, you can find them in the App Store, iOS and Android if you want to download it while you are listening. Darielle, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. 
you know, the community fridge is something uh, that we really saw quite a lot of last year in 2020. Um, there are about um, maybe 120, 150 uh, community fridges in New York City in the five boroughs. There's a great website, nycfridge.com, which is tracking them. There are community fridges in California. There's a great Instagram feed at LA Community Fridges that tracks where your local refrigerators are. And it's a pretty simple and brilliant idea where somebody like Darielle and her best friend, Chantal Campbell, decide to plug in a refrigerator in their neighborhood on the street and fill it with good food. And if you need some food, you stop by and you pick it up. And if you have some food, you stop by and you leave it. Um, it, could, it couldn't be simpler. Um, and it came about at a time when the world was shut down, when people needed things, they didn't know where to go. Maybe some of the traditional services that people were using for food on a day-to-day -day basis were closed. Um, and so it really is a, a phenomenon a little bit of our times, um, but one that is um, perhaps going to outlast these times. Dariel, talk to us. Tell us how you and Chantal decided to start the Barrio Fridge. Yeah, so um, when the pandemic hit, um, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs, um, myself included. Uh, so we realized that our community was struggling to find um, access to food and resources that would help them find access to food. So, um, you know, knowing that healthy food is not a privilege, it is a human right. We had to do something, um, especially for our community. And you worked in event planning, I did. which I essentially completely shut down when the world was basically ordered to shelter in place at home. Absolutely. Immediately, all of our events were canceled. And so you were able to use that uh, event planning and organization and soliciting participation skills that you had to create your fridge. Absolutely. So my role was the event and auction coordinator. So I curated events and procured donations. So I'm constantly talking to people, soliciting. I manage volunteers all the time. So it was right up my alley. So how did you decide to do the fridge? Um, so the um, as you said, the fridge network, it was trending. Um, and we took a look at it and said, you know, is this something that we'd be able to pull off? And we talked to a few of our neighbors. We stopped by the local deli and they were all on board. Um, so we took it and ran with it. And were you what what time of year was this in 2020? This was last summer. Mm -hmm. Were you thinking at all about a year later for the summer? What was going to happen to it? Were you just excited to get it plugged in and, and up and running? Did you think about having to sustain it or... Was it just really the 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 need and the drive of the moment? Um, so a little bit of both. Um, we jumped right in with the initial reaction of let's, you know, get all hands on deck and um, let's start helping. And then, you know, as time went on, we had to obviously um, plan for the future. And the winter was something that we were really nervous about, um, trying to sustain a fridge in the cold in New York City when, you know, we get feet and of snow, like tons of feet of snow. Um, so, yeah, we definitely had to do both, like start just jump in and then take it from there. So when you say start and jump in, 
what does that actually mean? What did you what did you do? Walk us through it step by step, because there may be people listening who would love to start a community fridge in their neighborhood. And I have so many questions about how it works. <laughs> and I may be one of those people um, who would love to start a community fridge. So tell us what what were what were the what were the steps that you walked through? So the first thing um, we advise is that you actually reside in the neighborhood that you want to place the fridge in. So Chantel lives directly across the street from the fridge. Um, secondly, you want to find um, a power source, so a local. Um, store, a restaurant, or even a building that will allow you to plug the fridge in. Um, Then from there, there are small liabilities and small issues that may arise. Um, We had one of our issues was, or a concern of our landlords was that we would bring rodents and other um, undesirables to the location. Mm Mm-hmm. So you have to have a plan in place with volunteers. Um, And one of the main things that we pride ourselves on is keeping our fridge clean. So we actually do employ um, a a woman from the neighborhood. She cleans and sanitizes the fridge every day, like three times a day. Wow. So that's definitely something to think about. You know, I have walked by many of the community fridges in New York City and they're all really great. You know, they look nice. They're all decorated. Um, They have a lot of signage. There's one um, that I walk by that is attached to a boxing gym. That's a vegan fridge, which is great. Um, I've for people who are listening, who are interested, um, Dariel and Chantal made a YouTube video that you can access off their website on tips to starting your own fridge. And one of the things that I would not have thought of was raising the fridge physically up off the ground, like onto a platform or like a pallet from a loading dock or something like that to help with with inclement weather and and, and those types of things and creating a nice level space for it. Did you... The, all the advice that you have on that YouTube video, do you did you know at the beginning, was there a lot of trial and error? There was definitely a lot of trial <laughs> and error. Definitely a lot of trial and error. So um, one of the main reasons that we did raise the fridge off the floor, like you said, was for inclement weather, but also um, for ease of cleaning and, um, you know, food falls and and we don't want anything to get trapped under or around the fridge that we can't access, which would lead to the... Um, infestation of rodents or roaches or anything like that. So bringing that fridge up off the off the ground allowed us to be able to clean around and underneath the fridge and just make sure that that area was spotless. So tell us about the first day. Tell us about when you got the fridge and you plugged it in and did you, what was the first thing you did? Did you decorate it? Did you fill it? Did you wait for people to walk by? Did they know what it was? Oh, so the first time we plugged it in, um, we actually did a, a launch. We um, we had a, a barbecue in the community for in the community garden, which is next door. Um, so we had some local businesses donate a few vegetables and fruits. Um, so they stocked the fridge for us the first time. Uh, like I said, we had a, a community barbecue. We invited the our neighbors and community members to come stop by and, you know, check out the fridge, um, get to meet us if they had any questions. Um, but yeah, like uh, prior to launching, we were reaching out to our local businesses, stopping by the, you know, mom and pop stores and finding out if they had any food that we could rescue. 
And was there food to rescue? There is. There's a lot of food um, that's on that's headed to the trash, um, not just restaurants. So the supermarkets and the delis um, when they're when they're um, their produce is getting ready to go bad. They you know, they toss it. So instead of we approach them instead of having them toss it, you know, we'll place it in the fridge for someone who is in need. It's an interesting idea to be talking about food that's going to waste during a pandemic when so much of what we have been reading about and hearing about in the news are food shortages. Mm -hmm. It almost um, doesn't seem to make sense or go together that when we're hearing about people, you know, having a hard time getting food for their families, um, you know, at the top level, we're reading about the supply chain of our food system being broken and, you know, food not being able to get from a farm or a producer to the grocery stores and to the people to think about going to your local businesses and rescuing food that might be going to the grocery store. Did did that surprise you that there was that type of food that was potentially available to stock your fridge? Absolutely. Um, also, we rescue, the majority of our rescues come from um, the farmer's markets. So I don't know if you know, in New York City, in several locations, they host farmer's markets. And a lot of these farmers are traveling from upstate and in different um, areas. So they don't want to take back a lot of their produce. Um, and a lot of the times it goes in the garbage. Well, there's a huge farmer's market next to me, which is Union Square. And I never really thought about the farmer's market as being a place where they would have food to get rid of at the end of the day. A lot of our food rescues come from the farmer's markets in the summertime. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. Um, So you were able then to rescue food. Did you have to do that on your own? Did the did you set up a system with the businesses where they would bring it to the fridge? Did somebody just literally walk up to the fridge and open the door and put in a bag of vegetables and walk away? So we had a few different scenarios. We had some restaurants who were um, saying, you know, at the end of the day, we'll stop by and drop off what we can. And then we had a few that were like, if, you know, if you have someone to send by, we'll package it up and um, they're welcome to come and pick it up. So we had a little bit of both. So once we started um, getting volunteers, that made it so much easier to rescue more food. So you are now a 501c3 nonprofit, correct? Correct. So you are functioning in that way. What 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 was your setup initially at the very beginning? I know that one of the things that I think about, and um, it's probably because I, I come from a family where we have an attorney um, in our family. So I always think about legal things and liability. What are the what are the uh, local laws around these types of things? I mean, obviously, it's it's you know Good Samaritan and Good Faith, and we rescue. F- there are many organizations that rescue food from restaurants and grocery stores and things like that. Did you have to put any type of insurance or liability or, I don't know, something in place? Is it just we hope that everybody does the right thing and it never becomes an issue? Yeah, pretty much right now that's what we're operating on, the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are very cautious about what we allow in our fridge. Um, we do not allow uh, raw meat and um 
like home cooked meals. So if a restaurant does donate something, we do ask that they label it properly. Um, Chantel and I are chefs, so we are very aware of food temperature control. So we try to monitor that. But yeah, I'm pretty much just operating off of sheer will and um, hoping for the best at the moment. Um, but yeah, going forward, we will be implementing some practices and um and definitely taking a bigger, uh, a deeper look into the liability issues that there are some fridge that are facing some. We have been fortunate enough to not dealt with anything like that yet. Was it a full time job when you started it? Absolutely. It's still a full time <laughs> job. <laughs> still a full time job. How many hours a week do you think you both are putting into it now? Uh, Chantel puts in way more hours. She's on the grounds. Um, she's checking on the fridge maybe twice a day. We now have two fridges um, in rotation. So she's on the ground. She's she's putting in way more hours than I am. I'm usually behind my computer doing logistics, dealing with the app. So uh, about half of my day I'm <laughs> doing, we call it fridge stuff. Um, half of my day I'm doing <laughs> fridge stuff. Um, so yeah, a, a, a pretty good chunk of my day. So when you started, did you think you were going to get to this point? How long did you think you were going to need to work on the fridge? Did you think that at some point the pandemic would be over and life would go back to normal? Was it a moment of action because there was always a need? And now, you know, if not now, when do you do something? So our community, um, primarily black and brown, you know, there's been a need. Prior to the pandemic, the pandemic just made it that much more visible. Um, So I knew that, you know, this was going to be something that was going to be ongoing. And, um, you know, in the future, we want to continue to do this. We want to empower the community to we feel like there should be a fridge on every block. You know, everyone should have access to food. Everyone should have this staple in the community, this resource. It's an interesting idea, um, definitely. And it's you know, also an instance where regular people and community fill a void that is not being fulfilled by, you know, a larger institution like government or school or um, companies or things like that. And, you know, given the rise of the community fridges that we've seen, you know, across the country during this time, again, it, it seems like such a simple simple, simple solution Um, to your point that, I mean, if there's an outlet somewhere, why not have them um, in lots of places? You know, it's not quite the same thing in terms of it being um, an elemental uh, human necessity for survival um, like food is, but I've seen um, in places of New York uh, a similar idea of libraries where it's the, um, it's a thing where you leave a book, you take a book, leave a Mm -hmm. book, take a book. Um, which is another just sort of idea of, you know, community sharing of, of things that people have. Um, it's an interesting idea to think about a block of things where you would drop something off and pick something up. And I need a book. I need some fruit. I need some food. Here's some fruit. I'll leave this. I'll pick up that. Um, a really, uh, a really interesting idea. We are going to take a quick break right now to find out who is helping sponsor this 501c3 nonprofit. That's Heritage Radio Network. We're a .org. We're kind of like public radio. We keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of our members, who are mostly listeners like you, grants, and underwriters like this one. Stay with us. 
My name is Sarah Kim and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Wisconsin cheese has proven time and time again to be a delicious expression of craft, hard work, and tradition. As a Cheeselandian, I am able to share a Gouda experience with fellow cheese and food lovers nationwide, as well as connect with cheese producers and cheesemongers, taking my love of cheese to another level. I invite you to join Cheeselandia because during these difficult times, it has been even more important to take it easy and get cheesy. The Cheeselandia community and events have been the glue helping to keep us together and connected, and I would love it if you would join me. And let's face it, if you hear the word cheese and get a little hungry, then you've found a place you can call home. To find out more about Cheeselandia, go to cheeselandia.com. We are talking about community fridges, specifically the Barrio Fridge in East Harlem, which just launched a brand new app in the iTunes Apple iOS store, as well as in the Android store. You might wonder, why does a community fridge need an app? when it's pretty low tech, right? It's a refrigerator on a street that you walk up to and you open and you put something in or you take something out. We're talking with Darielle Carter, who is one of the co-founders of the Barrio Fridge and is also transitioning into a career in tech. So tell us about the app, how it came about. And, you know, it seems not really necessary because a fridge is a pretty easy thing to run, but what are you going to be doing with the platform that you now have with the app? So what we plan to do with our app right now um, is manage our volunteers. So last summer we had an abundance of volunteers sign up, uh, roughly uh, 35 people. And I think that was uh, mainly because, you know, people were staying at home, um, they were not going to school and, you know, just looking for ways to be active in the community. So we had a big turnout um, of volunteers and we needed a system to efficiently uh, schedule and, and manage them. Um, also, another reason we set up the app was because we had a little pushback from our building um, landlord. Uh he, you know, had some concerns about the state of the area and we just wanted to, um, you know, let him know that we're taking care of it. We're going to be responsible for it. We are holding ourselves accountable for cleaning the area. So we use the app to do that. Um, we have our volunteers when they stop by, snap a photo um, of the surrounding area, the garbage inside the fridge, outside the fridge, just in case any issue should ever arise. So that's a really a great idea and using it to manage your volunteers is a great idea. Also, people do so much on their phones these days in terms of scheduling things, booking things, communicating, and then also having the, fo the photographic record of what's happening on the street is and at your fridge is really helpful also. Are you planning on utilizing it um, for the Barrio Fridge exclusively? I mean, it seems like such a great piece of technology that, you know, given there's, you know, over 100 fridges just in New York City alone in the five boroughs, is it something that you think you could become, you know, the app for the community fridge? It's possible. Chantelle and I talked about um, 
sort of creating a franchise model or um, like a licensing software for it. Um, But they're just ideas at this moment. You know, I'd love to be able to provide the necessary tools for other mutual aid groups or other fridges to be successful um, if that entailed using an app. So how hard is it to make an app and get into the the iTunes store and the Android store? I mean, having an app seems like a great accomplishment and also something that we all have apps, but I don't know that people really know how you make one and how you get it in the store. It seems a little bit of a mystical and <laughs> potentially daunting task, given that there's so many and you hear about people being rejected all the time. It is a very daunting task. Um, it's very time consuming. And um, I've worked around the clock um, consistently, uh, you know, trying to implement new features and add new things to it. Um, the process for um, being published on iOS and um, Android is relatively easy if you you know follow the guidelines and uh, make sure your app is compliant and things of that you know that that such. So it's it's it can be daunting, but you know as long as you take the time and you know read what you need to and follow the guidelines, it's not that hard. Okay, how long did it take you to uh, build it and? get it into the store? So I've been working on it since 2020. Like soon as we um, launched um, and started getting volunteers, um, Chantal and I had already started, you know, formulating ideas and what the main functions and things like that would be. So I want to say it's been about roughly uh, going on a year, um, a little less, um, but it's always a work in progress. I'm always changing stuff and I'm always trying to make it better. So it's not, it's not done. It's not just, out there and that's it. I'm always working on it and updating it. So yeah, I'm going to say roughly um, six to nine months. And then there are continuous updates as each of the different operating platforms updates. Yes. Also, I'm I'm always, (laughs) yes, I'm always um, sending out, rolling out a new version because I updated something or changed something. So I'm constantly tinkering with it. And you are in the process of moving into a career in tech and working in tech. Did the Barrio Fridge app coincide with that? Are you thinking about tech because of your use of technology recently? Or is this something that you've been planning to move into anyway? So this is something that I've been planning to move into for a while. So I've been tinkering with apps and building websites and learning coding um, since, uh, I want to say about 2015. Um, But being that I had all of this free time (laughs) due to the pandemic, um, so I I took that time to, you know, further my education. I went back to school for um, business administration, um, but I'm also, you know, taking coding courses on the side. you know, just to get my foot in the door. Um, you know, minorities are extremely underrepresented in the tech industry. And um, it's a goal of mine. You know, I, I really want to be able to um, move into that field and also help, you know, the young, the younger generation get their foot in the door. Well, not just minorities, but also women are mm-hmm. underrepresented in the tech space. Um Certainly women founders and women entrepreneurs are underrepresented. They're underfunded. Um, they are, uh, there are far fewer of them in the accelerators and in the programs where, you know, 
small businesses are being, you know, small companies and startups are being supported and taken to the next level. Uh, we've done many shows on Tech Bytes over time, talking with uh, women tech founders and just how, you know, the struggle is real. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, there was notably a few years ago, two women founders of a company, and they talked about how they created a fake third partner who was a man. Oh, wow. Like just on their, in their deck and they got like way more meetings. Wow. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that, which, you know, this is a few years ago. And I mean, (laughs) you know, we think about technology being, you know, the bold new frontier and we're going to disrupt and we're doing something new and we're going to shake up the system. But, you know, in many ways, the entrepreneurial tech system is just the old system, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and maybe with the different you know, the the strong push that we've seen over the past year and a half with all the different, you know, protests and reckonings about, you know, racial justice, equality, access to, you know, services, financing, education, you know, maybe maybe it will roll into the food tech space also. Are you planning on using the Barrio Fridge and your Barrio Fridge app as a as your first tech business platform? Um, it's possible. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I've been tinkering and working on a few apps um, for a few years. Um, this one is actually the first that was published um, to the app store. So it's very, very possible. Well, it's really great. And I congratulate you. And I also thank you because I have been following the Barrio Fridge since last year and the fact that you published an app and combined, you know, that technology with your community fridge, you know, makes you the perfect guest for this show. Sometimes there are stories and people I would really love to uh, spotlight and uh, shine a light on and talk with. um, But we we are all about food tech here. And I love that space. Um, And sometimes I, I have to wait patiently for things that I'm really interested in to come into the tech arena and then we can have a great conversation. What is it that you are looking at for coming into your second year? You're going to have, are you going to do a big one year anniversary something for the fridge this summer? And then what are you planning on going into year two? So we don't have anything planned as far as any anniversary um, events, but we are looking to launch one more fridge um, this year, one in the Bronx, which is, you know, a little bit out of our neighborhood. But, you know, we named the Barrio Fridge the Barrio Fridge versus El Barrio um, Fridge because Barrio is neighborhood. So anytime we place a fridge, we want it to be placed, you know, in our neighborhood. So we have... um, a good friend of ours who is going to partner with us and run the fridge in the Bronx. So we're looking to do that. That is probably the highlight of our second year (laughs) launching our third fridge, which is outside of our, you know, initial reach. So So expanding. tell us the addresses of the two fridges you have now. They're both on, um, between both between First Avenue and Second Avenue, one is on 108th Street, one is on 106th Street. And again, if you are looking to learn more, find out more, donate or volunteer, or get direct links to the apps in the app stores, go to thebariofridge.com. You can find them on social media at the Barrio Fridge. They are on PayPal and the Cash App. 
Um, if you're interested in volunteering, you can send an email, volunteers at thebariofridge.com. Um, it's, I have nothing but great things to say about this. And, um, you know, community fridge, maybe it's time has come. You know, I, I definitely think that, you know, what you're saying, Darielle, about having one on every corner, um, that's not a bad thing. And especially if on every block there is some sort of food store, shop, market, restaurant, coffee shop that has leftover food at the end of the day. You know, we have so many great, great nonprofits in New York City, like the Food Bank and City Harvest, that are about rescuing, you know, food at the end of the day. But ease, making things easy, making mm-hmm. the distance from point A to point B shorter oftentimes will raise the rates of people's participation. So if you have a coffee shop on the block that has a bar that has a community fridge and they can just walk some things down there a few doors down, I bet you would have a lot more people participating. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Darielle, if there's anybody listening, what types of things are you looking for right now? What types of things would be the most helpful to the Barrio Fridge and your mission um, over the next six months? Um, We're always looking for donations to help our day-to-day maintenance. Um, Like I said, we employ someone to clean and sanitize our fridge daily. We're always looking for volunteers um, or just neighborhood check-ins. And that is somebody walking by your fridge, taking a photo in the app and then uploading it. Yes, it is. How easy could that be? People are taking photos on that block in front of that fridge all the time anyway, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure as a tech person, you could look at some like geotagging on Instagram or something like that and just see like hundreds of pictures that are literally, you know, a couple feet away from the fridge. So point the camera at the fridge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank Darielle Carter for coming on the show. She's the co-founder of the Barrio Fridge. She co-founded it with her best friend, Chantel Campbell. And, you know, big shout out to the two of them for doing something great. And, you know, maybe it will inspire other people to participate or start a community fridge on their block. I want to give a big shout out to everyone who helps make Tech Bytes possible. Our engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song is Nomad a CPU Chack by DJ Uptown Nico. We are on heritageradionetwork.org. Tech Bytes is powered by Simplecast. The show is hosted and produced by me, Jennifer Leutzi. You can find us everywhere you find your favorite podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere. If you love us, subscribe, give us a great review. If you can't live without us, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the beating heart and make a donation. Maybe what you're going to spend on coffee today. If you make a donation and you designate it to Tech Bytes, I will send you a gift along with my undying love. I'm Jennifer Liuzzi and this is Tech Bytes. Tech Bytes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. 
Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.